Enjoy and be blessed by this word tonight. Stay tuned. Shalom. Welcome to Edification. Enjoy and be blessed by this word tonight. Stay tuned. Shalom.
I'm not saying you die before your time. No. You say it with long life. It will satisfy you. But you and I don't know the time. Even if we don't die, he can return today. And so this is a call to those. I told you, he said, call back the sinners. Awaken the sinners. Yes. This is the call to those who want to start a walk with him. Who want to start a relationship with him. Boldly declare that you want him. I want to see you. I want to see you. Oh, we want to see you. the songwriter says we want to see you that is a song by Victoria Orenze and it's a call and a cry to the Lord that we want to see him we want to know him and we want to fellowship with him good evening wherever you're tuning in from and welcome to Gratification Tuesday today being the 22nd of February 2022 and I'm told that this date will, will not occur again, this particular kind of date, you know, it has its significance, I'm told. And so today is a special day, I'll say, you know, and I just want to say that we thank God for how far he has brought each and every one of us. And February is ending very soon. February ends on Monday. And then March will bring itself in. And so we thank God for sustenance and for his protection. Tonight we continue the series on the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's the year of the Holy Spirit. And over the past couple of days or weeks, we've been looking at love and and um, the, the God kind of love and love when it comes to relationships and dating and then we ended it just last week with the message, the climax on love, or the love climax. So, it's been an interesting time in this month of love. And I believe that by the grace of God, we have done justice to what he has given us to do in this month. And so tonight, 
we are continuing with the Holy Spirit series as it's a year of the Holy Spirit and we are looking at the seal of the Holy Spirit the seal the seal s e a l but then before that we'll say a short word of prayer and then we'll begin before we begin I want to say that um, with the audios that we play on the sessions we have every Tuesday and every Friday I want to say that we do not own rights to them they are third-party audios and we only play them or use them for promotional purposes and according to section 107 of the copyright act of 1976 it allows us to use this material for fair use only so according to the law we are backed by the law amen all right so can we pray and then we will begin by the grace of god all right father thank you so much for this evening be praised holy spirit we know that you are with us as you search even the deep things of god and reveal to us i pray that you shall reveal to us tonight concerning this message may we have an understanding may this understanding be an understanding that will be applicable to us that we can use for our lives we pray, O oh God, that you shall bless us mightily through this word and that our life will never be the same. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right. So tell somebody we are alive. Tell somebody we are alive and let's get it on. And so tonight, as I said, we're looking at the seal of the Holy Spirit. And our scripture is from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 to verse 14. Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 13 to the verse number 14. And the Bible says that, And you also were included in Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now verse 14. Who is a deposit? guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I read again. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. I mean, it's just as clear as it is. It says we were included in Christ when we heard the message. I want to read Amplified for us so that will give us another understanding since we are having a teaching thing here now the same Ephesians 1 13 to 14 it says in him you also amplify it says in him you also when you heard the word of truth the good news of your salvation and as a result believed in him were stamped with the seal of the Holy Spirit as owned and protected by God the Spirit is the guarantee the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. And I want to read finally on the message version. Now when you read the message, the message tells us, it says, It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, 
found yourselves home free and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what is coming. A reminder that we will get everything God has planned for us. A praising and a glorious life. Okay. Amen. So these are different versions of what we are getting. Alright. So the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me start by saying this. That since Corona came, since the coronavirus set itself ablaze, you can see how it started small in Wuhan, China. And we heard the news about an outbreak in China that that were killing people. And we're saying, hey, this thing is killing people. It's serious. But we never thought it, would, it could come quickly to where we were. Where I'm in Ghana now. I didn't, I didn't know it could come that quickly. Because China is far away. Then we heard it was in Italy. Then we heard Brazil. Then we heard the United States, the UK. Places were being infected. People were dying and so on and so forth. And finally, we reported the first case in Ghana and it became something else. The country had to be shut down for about 21 days. There was a first shutdown. There was a second shutdown. A whole lot of things came up. And since Corona outbreak, many of us have been very concerned. Although now it looks like it's under control. But many of us are still very concerned. And... We are concerned because of the fear of being infected with the virus. And because of that, the drive of fear has helped made us to take preventive measures. For example, it says we should wash our hands. We should use the mask properly. We should have our temperatures checked regularly. We should avoid large crowds. We should wear the, the, the mask. We should not touch our face with unclean hands. These are the things we were, we were told by the health sector guys, the experts, were told these things. Now, psychologically, doing these things will help us to feel a little safer against the epidemic because it has already reached our shores. But then, it does not completely eliminate the possibility of getting the virus. So even though we are washing our hands, even though we are, we are checking our temperatures, even though... Um, we are avoiding large crowds, even though we are as much as possible not touching our face with unclean hands. We cannot completely use that, those tactics, to eliminate the possibility of getting the virus. And yesterday we even heard that the Queen of England has contracted virus, even after taking the vaccine, the vaccines as well as the booster shots. So we realize that even all of that does not completely eliminate the possibility of getting the virus. What am I saying? It is God who keeps us, who knows his own and protects his own. So it's not the, the, the vaccine that's going to protect, but I believe that even if you take the vaccine, God himself is the one who does the protecting. Hallelujah. So the problem, as we all know, is that we are dealing with an enemy that is so microscopic that no one can see it. We can't tell where the viruses are. We can't even tell if, if anyone around us has it or not because the people who are infectious may not have any visible symptoms. I'm coming to a point. We want, I'm, many of you will be wondering why I'm starting from this point, but we'll understand it. And this is the reason why 
the virus has spread so rapidly because you can't tell who has it, who does not have it, because people who have it sometimes may not show any visible symptoms. So it's one of the reasons why the virus has spread, even in places where where the most stringent preventive measures have been implemented, people have still got it. It's extremely difficult to be completely safe against an enemy that is so invisible and so well hidden. But thank be to God that now at least there is the vaccine, some kind of cure for it, some kind of protection for it. Now, what am I trying to say? Now, there is a higher bad news I want to say. What is the bad news? COVID-19 is not our greatest enemy. And it's something I want us to understand. The COVID-19 is not our greatest enemy. Man has another enemy that looks like coronavirus, but it's not. Coronavirus is not our greatest enemy. Man has another enemy that is also invisible and well hidden. And this enemy is many times worse than the virus. This enemy is found everywhere. This enemy has infected all mankind. This enemy has destroyed countless lives. This enemy has brought millions of souls into eternal death. This unseen and hidden enemy, beloved, is called sin, S-I-N. Now, because God is holy and because God cannot tolerate sin, all who have sinned are isolated from him and have to be quarantined forever in an awful place called the lake of fire or right now hell as we know it okay now <coughs> sorry now the good news is that god has taken the most effective measures to deal with this terrible infection called sin everyone to whom these measures are applied will be completely safe and will eventually be fully delivered from its impact on their life. I repeat that everyone to whom these measures are applied will be completely safe and will eventually be fully delivered from the impact of sin on their lives. And that is because God has already planned to save us from sin and eternal death long before the world existed. And God had made them his very own people, his precious possession, and we belong to him. Hallelujah. So, in fact, each of us bore the permanent seal of God's ownership. And that's why we, we looked at Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Hallelujah. Where the Bible clearly tells us, That in whom, that's King James, in whom he also trusted. After that he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after ye that believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. So, the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 1, began in verse 3 by doing something. He did something in verse 3. In verse 3 of Ephesians 1, Bible says that he, he was praising God for all spiritual blessings. So if you check Ephesians 1 verse 3, Paul said, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So in verse 3, Paul began by praising God for all spiritual blessings. Then Paul goes into detail on the spiritual blessing in verse 4 to 6, where he begins with the work of God the Father who predestined us to be his adoptive children. Then when you look at verse 7 downwards to I think verse 11 or 12, Paul goes on to talk about the work of the Son, God the Son. That is Jesus redeeming us through his precious blood. So, Jesus came to redeem us through his precious blood. Not only that, and he also came to reconcile us or reconcile all things together in him. Then, in the verse 13 and 14 that we just read as our anchor scripture, Paul ends with the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit's work in us is just as important as the work of the Father and the work of the Son. And so we need to understand it well. The work of the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, is, is as important as the work of the Father and as the work of the Son. So we need to understand it as it we must. Very, very important. Now, however, however, let me say that there, there, there is perhaps no doctrine where there is more confusion today than the doctrine of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things going around about the doctrine of the person of the Holy Spirit, about who, who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So much confusion. Even Christians who are clear on basic doctrine that the Holy Spirit is God himself, the third person of the Trinity, they often confuse themselves with different aspects of his work. For example, the Holy Spirit, he has a work of regeneration. We spoke about it about three weeks ago. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is there. The inward call of the Spirit, the infill of the Spirit, the work of sanctification is by the Holy Spirit. But this morning, upon all that he does, these are different aspects of his work. But this, this, this evening, sorry, sorry, this evening, we will consider the work of the Holy Spirit in sealing us. In sealing us. Now, in the passage we read, if you look at it, it tells us three things happen when a person is saved. Number one, first, the person hears the word of truth, which is the gospel. And from other passages of scripture, we learn that for the elect, the outward call of the gospel is accompanied by the inward call of the spirit. In other words, what it means is when the gospel goes out, the spirit convicts inwardly and men receive Christ unto salvation. That irresistible call becomes evident when a person believes in Christ for salvation. So somebody preaches the gospel, that's the outward call, and the Holy Spirit does the conviction, that's the inward call. And then the person, the inward call now becomes evident when the person comes and confesses Christ and re receives salvation. So that's the first thing, that he hears the word of truth. That's the gospel. Now, the second thing mentioned is that a person believes Christ and becomes saved. That's the second thing. So he hears the word of truth, the first thing. The second thing, he what? Believes in Christ unto salvation. So at the point of believing in Christ for salvation, then the third thing happens. In other words, it is at the point of believing that the third thing happens. What's the third thing? That the person is sealed with the Holy Spirit. So, therefore, the logical 
sequence of events when it comes to salvation is that there's an inward call by the Holy Spirit when we hear the gospel, then we believe in Christ, then the Holy Spirit's work of sealing our faith, it makes it complete. Now, I hope we are, we are learning. Now, perhaps somebody may ask, what exactly is the seal that is mentioned here? Now, the seal is obviously not a visible mark that is placed on the believer. Now, the wording of this verse talks about, which is in Ephesians 1.13, right? That wording of the verse indicates that the seal is the Holy Spirit himself. Don't, don't get it wrong. So, I read again, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, comma, the promised Holy Spirit himself. So, the seal is the Holy Spirit himself. It's not a mark on you. It's the Holy Spirit himself. The mark is the Holy Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit is the seal that God has placed upon us. Then the next question is this. What is he a seal to? So to find out the significance of the Holy Spirit as our seal, we need to look at what were seals used for. And then other things, and then we we'll understand by the grace of God. Hallelujah! I I I pray we are we are learning and being blessed. Amen. What were seals used for? We know that we have seals in the sea who are anim- uh, sea and animals, right? Who swim in the sea? That's not what I'm talking about. So the normal definition for seal was is that seal like was like an emblem that was used primarily in the in the ancient days to authenticate documents and to some extent specifically those which carry some legal import so a seal was used to authenticate a document a legal document maybe a king was sending information from his kingdom to another kingdom he puts his seal like a stamp of authority on the letter so when the recipient which is another king or queen gets it he knows that this letter is from the king of Spain, for example, or the king of England, or the king of Notre Dame, or something of that sort. Praise God. Alright. So that's a seal in this context. In this context. What were seals used for? Number one, authentication. And let me say that the word seal itself has a very interesting historical background. Now, I said one of the purposes of sealing in the ancient world was to authenticate contracts was to also authenticate uh, military orders was also to authenticate invoices and the seal was also used in the the ratification of treaties between nations so if a nation maybe a nation a and nation b were fighting and now they've come to an agreement a letter will be, will be written or a decree will be given and then the seal of both nations will be placed on it to confirm, to make it legal or to authenticate it. So, seals were also used in the ratification of treaties between nations. Today, we don't call it seal, we call it signatures. Today, we use signatures to authenticate such agreements. But in ancient times, kings and rulers, they wore metal rings. So, I'm giving you the historical background of it. Kings and rulers... They wore metallic or metal rings that had an engraving with their name or picture in it. So to seal a document, this is what we're doing. 
to seal a document, some wet clay or wax, sealing wax, would be placed on the document. Then the ring will be placed in the clay, leaving the seal's imprint on it. Hallelujah. And in the Bible, we have an example of Joseph who was given the ring of Pharaoh when he, when he rose up in the ranks. We have an example in the book of Esther of Mordecai who was also given the ring of the Persian king. So they were given authority by that ring to issue decrees by sealing them with the ring. So that ring sealed the decrees, authenticated the decrees, made the decrees legal. And anyone who receives such a document with a seal must first check it to ensure that it had been sealed with the ring mark, whether it was the name of the king or the picture of the king. So seals were therefore a mark of genuineness or authenticity. So you could tell if a document was genuine or counterfeit just by looking for the seal. Hence, they were like the security feature for today. You know, like today, um, when you take a, a check to, to, to cash money from the bank, you know, people can forge and all that. Sometimes you have to really look at it to see if the signature is authentic. It's authentic. It's not fake. It's not, it's not just a forged something. So the seal were like security features that you can find on your, whether pound notes, dollar notes, Ghana CD notes, the Japanese yen notes, and so on and so forth. Hallelujah. So seals were used for number one, authentic authentication. That's the first thing. Secondly, seals were used also for security. Security. That's the second thing. Security. Seals were also a mark of security. Now, only those, let me say this, only those who are authorized to break the seal could open the sealed item. Not just anybody could open a sealed letter or a sealed document. There were people who were authorized to break seals and to open the item, the sealed item, and to read the contents. Now, in ancient times, seals were used to keep tombs, libraries, and treasuries from any unauthorized entry. So there was a seal in, on the tomb, there was a seal placed there. When you go to the library, there's a seal there. Nobody who does not have the authority to break the seal is allowed to enter. So, for example, after the body of Christ had been laid in the garden tomb, the Jews came to Pilate and then they requested that the tomb be properly secured. Okay, that's the seal, security. So they requested to Pilate that the tomb must be properly secured lest the disciples will come and steal the body. So, when you look at Matthew 27 and the verse number 66, Bible clearly tells us, so they went and made what? The sepulchre seal, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Sealing the stone and setting a watch. When, we, when they say they went, talking about the Roman soldiers, so according to Matthew 27 and verse 66, the Roman soldiers, they placed a seal on the stone which covered the entrance of the tomb. And they didn't just leave it like that. They stayed there and they watched, they, they, they guarded the entrance. So they placed a seal so that nobody could move that stone without first breaking the seal. So what? Security. So seals were also used for what? 
security. I hope you are getting where we are making we are making progress. Then the third thing is that seals were used for ownership. So authenticity, security, ownership as a third one. Seals were used for ownership. Now, so besides authenticity and security, seals were also used as a sign of what ownership. Now, what do I mean by that? There was a lot of trade in the ancient times. A lot of whether by by the desert, by ports, and all of that. There was a lot of trade that went on. Now, seals were attached to goods to indicate who the owner was. So the owner had a special mark. So if you see maybe in those days you see oil, uh, you see oil, a jar of oil, a carton of sugar, a carton of maybe uh, rose water or something. There was a seal attached to that product. And once you see, you know that this is for Mr. So-so-and-so or Brother So-so-and-so. So the seal was attached to the goods to indicate who their owner was. Now, let me even go further. In the days where slavery was practiced, the slaves were sealed with a permanent mark that was put on their skin to indicate who their master was. So after they have been bought by their master and the master takes them to his house, or after they are shipped overseas to the Western world and they are bought by slave masters and the masters take them to their house, then they, they heat hot iron in fire that has a seal. Then they put that hot iron seal on the skin of the slave and that mark is permanent. And anybody who sees the seal on this slave knows that this is Mr. So-so-and-so's slave. So it was a sign of ownership. So if the slave ran away and was caught, the seal would help the owner to identify his runaway slave. Because everybody knows that this mark or this seal belongs to so-so-and-so. So now, when... Our scripture text speaks of believers as being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Which of these three that I've mentioned do you think it implies? Is it sealing? Is the sealing a sign of authentication? Well, it is only in an indirect sense because the final authentication of true believers actually comes from the changed life and the works of the Holy Spirit that is produced in us. So when you talk of authentication, it's an indirect sense because there's a final authentication. In other words, by the fruits we bear, we realize that we have been authenticated. Amen. Now, if you look at security, is the sealing of the believer meant to be a sign of security? Yes, and that is possible. Why am I saying it's possible? When you look at the, the Bible um, in the same book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 30. The Bible tells us clearly that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. But this is not the primary meaning of the sealing of the Holy Spirit, which is mentioned in Ephesians 1, verse 13. So when we look at the verse 13 in that context, we then discover that the intended idea is that of ownership. So not necessarily authentication, not necessarily security, but actually ownership. Hallelujah. 
So it clearly tells us in verse 14, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. So the seal that we have, the seal of the Holy Spirit, is a seal of ownership. We belong to him. It's a seal of ownership. Praise God. I believe we are making progress and we are understanding as we are moving along. So then, with that said, then I come down to the next question, which is, what then does it mean to be sealed with the Holy Spirit? So now we've got to understand that it's in context of ownership. So then what does it really mean to be sealed with the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit? The first thing I want us to look at is that it is our ownership of the heavenly inheritance. It is our ownership of the heavenly inheritance. Now, let's look closely again at Ephesians chapter 1. In the verse 3, I said earlier that Paul wrote, he said, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places or heavenly realms in Christ. Then in the verse 11, we are told, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. But in verse 18, the inheritance is mentioned again, where it says that, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So here, we can see that one of the glorious themes in this chapter, which is Ephesians chapter 1, is the fact that God has given us an eternal inheritance in heaven. Now, how do we know that this inheritance will certainly be ours? Oh, how do we know? We know because it is through the fact that God has given us the Holy Spirit in anticipation of that inheritance. Hence, the Holy Spirit becomes the seal of our ownership. Of this heavenly inheritance. That's why it said, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. So the Holy Spirit has now become a seal in anticipation of that word, inheritance. Now, we can even compare this to the response that um, uh, Abraham gave when God told him that he would inherit the land of Canaan. I think Genesis 15. Genesis 15, I think, um, verse 7 or so. Now, he says something. He said, I am the Lord. That is God speaking. He says, I am the Lord that brought thee out of earth of the childies to give thee this land to inherit it. Then Abraham asked the question. I think verse 8 or so. Abraham asked the question in Genesis 15. That, Lord, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Then the Lord ratified his promise by making a covenant. Now, that covenant is like a ceremony. And in that ceremony, there was an animal sacrifice. And with that sacrifice, it became the seal of Abraham's ownership of the land. God promised the land to him and his descendants. And it was seen. But the covenant at the covenant-making ceremony, there was an animal sacrifice which became the seal of what had been decreed by God. So we have been given the Holy Spirit as a seal in anticipation 
of what we are to receive are eternal inheritance. That's why it says, until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. So the first point, our ownership of the heavenly inheritance. Second point, God's ownership of us. God's ownership of us. God's ownership of us. Now, when we look at chapter 1 again of Ephesians uh, 1, obviously, we can find another theme, you know, uh, besides the theme of our ownership of the heavenly inheritance, which is the first point I just mentioned. But it's also the theme of God's ownership of us. Because if you look at verse 5, the Bible tells us that he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. Another version says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So the idea of ownership is in verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So to be redeemed is to be purchased. So since God has purchased us or redeemed us, he owns us. So we are now his possession because he has bought us with something. What is that thing? The precious blood of Jesus. And that truth is also mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. The Bible says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So therefore, we have seen that the Holy Spirit is a seal of ownership in two senses. Our ownership of the eternal heavenly inheritance, as well as God's ownership of us, believers. So by this seal of ownership, we are assured that we are truly His, that we belong to Him, and that all His blessings certainly belong to us. And that's why the ministry of the Spirit is also mentioned and is quoted in the Scripture. In the book of Romans 8, verse 16 and verse 17, the Bible says, The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. That we are the children of God. Then the verse 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. In other words, we own our heavenly inheritance. We own it. We have it. The, the word of God tells us we have it. So we have it. It's there. So understanding that our ownership, we have the ownership of the heavenly inheritance and that we, God also owns us. That's what it means to be sealed, to have the seal of the Holy Spirit. Then comes my next delivery. How does this seal benefit us? Yes. What do we gain from it? What do, we, what do we gain? Beloved, the seal of the Holy Spirit gives us a strong assurance of our salvation. And it comes from the fact that the sealing of the Holy Spirit in verse 13 is used together with another word. The word earnest, which is found in the next verse. So, you, look, you see that verse 13 of Ephesians 1 and verse 14. Is actually one sentence. So it is in whom also after ye, that ye believed, ye were sealed 
with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. What does that mean? That means that the Holy Spirit seals us by becoming the earnest of our inheritance. So the Holy Spirit seals us by becoming what? The earnest. Wow. I hope we are, we, are, we, are, we are being blessed. Yeah. Powerful. By the grace of God. The Holy Spirit, He seals us by being what? The earnest of our inheritance. Comes the earnest of our inheritance. Now, this truth I just mentioned. When you read the book of 2 Corinthians, I was trying to remember the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and then 22. The Bible tells us that now he which stabilized us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Other version says, now he which stabilized us with you in Christ and had anointed us is God, who had also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. What's the meaning of earnest, beloved in Christ? What is the meaning of earnest? Now, earnest, E-A-R-N-E-S-T, not the male name earnest, but earnest, E-A-R-N-E-S-T. Now, that word earnest is an old English word that we hardly use today. But it has the same meaning as down payment or deposit. Deposit, not only deposit, but deposit that is laid down as a guarantee of a purchase. So whenever we buy something that is costly and has to be delivered to us, we put a down payment first at the shop. So that down payment is like a seal of ownership. It means that no one else can now purchase it since it is already reserved for us. So you go to a shop, you see something you like, that down payment is called what? Earnest. Deposit. And that down payment is like a seal of ownership. It means that no one can ever go and buy that thing because it has been reserved for you. And the down payment also means that the rest of the payment will be made. That's what it means. So in the same way, the Holy Spirit who came to us from heaven has been given to us as a down payment or let me say first installment of heaven itself. So the first installment of heaven is the Holy Spirit as a seal on us. And his presence in us assures us that we have been given full ownership of the heavenly inheritance. So through the Holy Spirit in us, we are able to have a foretaste. We are able to have a preview of heaven itself, heaven on earth, through the Holy Ghost. So therefore, we can live joyfully with a full assurance of our place in a bright future that holds unimaginable glory for us. Not only that, but at the same time, the Spirit's presence, the Holy Spirit's presence in us is also a guarantee that God now owns us. That is why in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, I said it earlier, the Bible says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. 
So God has stepped his claim on our lives by placing his spirit on us. So God owns us. Let me, let me use an illustration. Think of how a young man proposes marriage to his fiancée. He goes on a bended knee. Then he opens, I'm talking about a western kind of proposal, right? He goes on a bended knee. He opens a box. And then he presents an engagement ring to her. And then he asks the question, the most important question, will you marry me? Then when she hopefully says yes, and then she wears the ring, everybody celebrates and cheers and all of that. But wearing the engagement ring assures the young lady that her wedding day is coming. The ring assures the young lady that the wedding day is what? It's coming. It's close. So we can think of the Holy Spirit as the engagement ring that God has given to us. We have been given an engagement ring that a time will come, the ceremony will happen, and everything will be given to us. So the Holy Spirit is the engagement ring that God has given to us. And it is understood by both God and ourselves that it is the guarantee of our ultimate union. That is why the Spirit's indwelling presence in us testifies to us of that effect. That's why we book up, when we read the book of Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, chapter 2, and the verse number 16, Bible says, My beloved is mine, and I am his. Hallelujah. I believe we are learning a lot tonight. So with all that we have learned, then brings me to the last part of the delivery for tonight. When are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? When does one become sealed with the Holy Spirit? Praise God. Now, um, I want to put my words right. Holy Spirit, help me. Now, There are some who teach erroneously, very much erroneously, that believers are not sealed with the Spirit the moment they believe in Christ, but at a later time. And they claim that the sealing of the Spirit is a second work of grace, which is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they say that the evidence or the initial evidence of baptism in the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. But this experience is, the, and they say that this experience is distinct and and um, subsequent to the experience of the new birth. Hmm. But what does the Bible say? The true biblical doctrine is that if you have trusted, if you are, if you have trusted Christ for salvation, then you are already sealed with the Spirit. This sealing took place at the moment of your conversion. We read it in Ephesians 1 verse 13. It says, In whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So it's not later time. It's instant. Once you, con- you are converted, you are sealed. These two actions go together. They are not, they are not uh, 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 separable. They are inseparable. Sealing is the outcome of believing in Christ for salvation. You were sealed with the Spirit at the very moment that you started to believe in Him. 
That's when you were sealed. At that very moment, that is when you were sealed, beloved. Praise God. Yeah. So how did this sealing take place? It took place simply through being in Christ as a result of salvation. That's how it took place. Because you were in Christ through salvation. And that is how it took place. That is how it took place. No other reason. Amen. Because Christ himself was, was what? He was sealed. If you read John 6, verse 27, the Bible clearly tells us, it says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Then it says, For him hath God the Father sealed. So even Christ himself was sealed. How much more you? He was sealed. Therefore, it is only by being in Christ that you can be sealed. And perhaps, most likely, that there may be someone here who is not in Christ yet. You need to understand that only Christ can give you everlasting life and salvation. If you are not in Christ yet, you are in a very dangerous position. There is nothing at all to keep you from being fully exposed to the awful judgment of God that God will bring upon sinners. And as the end time draws nearer, a prelude to the eternal judgment of sinners will come in the form of all of the judgment described in Revelation, when we read chapter 6 through to chapter 16. Now, the first set of judgments is known as the seven seal judgments. And the Bible says, as each seal is open, judgments of increasing severities are unleashed on the world. And all sinners on earth will experience them. Will experience famine, experience plagues, will experience wars, will experience horrible disasters, and so on and so forth. They will be far worse than coronavirus epidemic. But thankfully, God has provided us with hope of divine help. He has provided us with hope of deliverance when these judgments come. And that hope is found in Christ alone. That, therefore, I will urge you to come and trust in Christ without any more delay before the seal judgment descend. Then, no matter what happens, you will have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you as God's precious seal of ownership, making you his dear child forever. And the question will be, how do you trust in Christ for salvation? First, you must accept everything that the Bible says about Christ. And about yourself as true that he is the son of God who came down from heaven to be made a sacrifice for you by sin and that you are a sinner who deserves nothing than the wrath of God than the judgment of God then after that you need to confess to him personally that you are a sinner in need of salvation and you have to put your trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ and stop trusting in your own works to save you. Then thirdly, you must trust in Christ by committing your life to him once and for all with no thought of turning back. 
and you tell him that you want him to be the Lord and master of your life, only then will you be in Christ and be sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. And so this evening, by the grace of God, we have learned what seals we are used for, what it means to be sealed with the Spirit of God, how this sealing benefits us, and when this sealing takes place in us. So I believe and I trust, by the grace of God, that now we have a better understanding of this sealing ministry of the Spirit, because there is tremendous value in having such knowledge. Tremendous value. Tremendous value. Praise God. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous value. Thank you, Jesus. I believe, I believe we are, we are, we are learning a lot. We are learning a lot. We are learning a lot. Amen. Now, let me also say this. Now, now, with all that I have said, we can tell that it provides us a wonderful source of assurance. You know, when, when you know, and it's is very valuable, especially at moments when our hearts are gripped with fear, or when our faith is growing weak, or when we even begin to doubt our salvation. It is then that we need to read scriptures like Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, where God assures us that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance. Beloved, this assurance that you truly belong to God will make a huge difference in the way you live your life and in the way you serve God. And in the uncertain times we are living in now, this assurance will give you all the peace and all the hope that you need to cope with any trial, any calamity that you have to face. Hallelujah. So, beloved, as I bring my message to a close, I want to encourage you to be strong in the love of Christ. If we have to experience death more deeply, even in pestilences and trials, by understanding the gospel, we may more deeply experience the love of Christ and will grow nearer and nearer to God. And I trust that each of us will draw nearer to God as we understand all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. And may God grant us all the peace and the assurance that comes from knowing that you belong to Christ and that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let us pray. Father, we bless you. 
we honor you. We praise you for such a wonderful time in your presence. Lord, thank you for the assurance you have given us. Thank you for helping us to understand this assurance that we have. It is by grace. We thank you. Give us the grace to walk in it. Give us the grace to walk in it. Give us the grace to walk in it, Lord. Give us the grace to walk in it, Lord. Let that assurance move with us. Let that assurance move with us. Let that assurance move with us. And let it change our lives for the better. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my God bless you. And so, beloved, God bless you so much for such a beautiful time of spending time in fellowship, hearing this message from the Lord. I believe it, it has blessed us and it will continue to be a blessing. At any point in time, if you feel like you want to listen to it, you can always go to mixlr.com forward slash the burning lamp. You can get all our messages there any of the messages for free. You don't have to pay anything at all. Please take the opportunity while it is free. You never know. Things can change. Hallelujah. So take the opportunity, take the advantage while it is free. Read as much as you can. Hear as much as you can. Write as much as you can. And may God, as you do to help you and bless you accordingly. In Jesus' name. On Friday, we resume Midnight experience by the grace of God at 10 p.m. Make a date with us. Let's pray. And it will be a blessing to us all. Keep praying for us that we will continue to deliver as God directs. Hallelujah. And let's also understand that something is cooking in the month of April. But I'll give details um, in our subsequent meetings accordingly. When everything is set. When everything is set. So let us keep that in check. And then let's also remember that March is coming soon. So prepare prayers, pray much, prepare your hearts for the month of March, pray into it. Let God direct you. Know who to keep as your friend, know who to ignore, know who to put aside. And I believe that as we live our lives being led by the Spirit of God, our lives will run the course that it must to the glory of God. And so tonight, we draw the curtains down as I take leave of us. I pray that your sleep shall be sweet and that God will smile on you in Jesus' precious name. Thank you so much once again for your time. It's been an honor bringing the word of God to you. And I pray that more opportunities will be here for us to share God's word so that all of us will be blessed. And that the agenda of the kingdom of God will move from grace to grace. Enjoy your evening. God bless you so much. Shalom and goodbye.
Jesus, 